Bueno, well, buenos días familia. Buenos días, ándale. Ustedes saben cómo hablar español. You know how to speak Spanish. Come on, come on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if we haven't introduced ourselves yet, my name is Misael Gonzalez, and I'm the pastor here. And honestly, it's just super cool to be with you again. I was in Owasso last week. And let me tell you, last week was crazy. I preached twice in Owasso, drove all the way back down here to preach at 12.30. So I preached twice or I preached three times in a day and in two languages, and it was just absolutely crazy. So if anything, I'm just glad to be here with you and continue in our series where we're just asking some really tough questions, like the kind of questions, again, that maybe keep you up at night or the kind of questions that just make you go, man, if I were to ask someone this, I would probably go to them and say, hey, uh, I'm asking for a friend. You know, not for me. I'm asking for a friend. And so as we go into this question, I just want to go ahead and just give you the question right now, just because I think it's maybe something that you've asked yourself or someone has asked you. So here's the question that I have for us and that we have for each other today, honestly, is why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And honestly, the question that gets me most, honestly, is like, why do good things happen to bad people? Like, come on. Like, why do good things happen to bad people? I'm like, come on, like, they should just do bad stuff, get bad things. But again, our question is, why do bad things happen to good people? And why do bad things happen at all? Like, point blank, period, why do bad things happen? And I asked this question because I was just reminded of when I was like 12. And when I was 12 years old, uh, in my school, there was a seven-year-old girl. I mean, she was like tiny, a little seven-year-old girl. And it uh, turned out that the seven-year-old girl had cancer. And so um, I was actually really close to this family and my family really close to them because we went to the same school, went to the same church. And this little girl was like the same age as one of my little brothers and was actually in uh, the same grade as him. And so I just remember this little girl and watching her struggle with cancer and getting the news and, and then going to all their doctor's appointment and her fighting this cancer in her little body. And then I remember her, you know, in her wheelchair because the cancer is really a lot in her legs. And I remember her being, you know, pushed around in a wheelchair and just like watching her just fight this cancer and then slowly, slowly, slowly just kind of getting weaker and weaker and she only lasted like one year with this cancer before she died and I just remember going to that funeral and, and sitting with my family and you could almost like hear the loud thoughts of people just saying why like why her like why her and not me why, why her and not her parents why her and not someone else like why her she was seven she was like my little brother's age and she had her whole life in front of her And it was actually really interesting. Um, whenever my brother graduated from, from high school, they actually had um, like a little, uh, it was like a little stuffed animal that sat right there in the graduation, kind of like representing her and the little jersey that she wore, just saying, hey, like this would have been the year that she would have graduated. Um, and so it's just really cool how throughout the years, this whole community has just come around that family and come around um, that whole situation. But I share that with you because it's those moments right there that make us go, why do bad things happen to good people? Like whenever we ask the question, it's not really like a logical one. It's not really a philosophical question. There's just a lot of personal, emotional ties to that question of like, no, like me personally, like no, my family, no, my friends, I've gone through something terrible. Like why us, why me, why her? Why are these bad things happening to these people who I think are really good? 
And so when you think about all of that and when you think about the worst thing that has maybe happened to us or to you or to your family, to your friends, there is a lot of things to unpack from those stories. Like, let's just be honest. Like, I think a lot of us carry trauma. A lot of us carry these really deep wounds. We just carry so much and we carry these stories whether they're recent or not recent, that just absolutely shape our lives, shape our right now. They're gonna shape our future. And it's just interesting to me as I think about that question and just think about God's word. You know, whenever something good happened to us, happens to us, we don't really question it. You know, we kind of just embrace it and we go, oh yeah, something good happened to me and I'm just gonna party with my people and I wanna make sure everybody knows, oh yeah. That's what I think of when something good happens. But then it's interesting when something bad happens, we don't embrace it and we don't not question it. If anything, we're like, uh, and then we, co- we question it. And we're like, uh, like I'm gonna question God and I'm gonna question myself and I'm gonna question the people around me. And I'm gonna question all of that thing. And, and honestly, I'm not gonna celebrate it, man. I'm gonna make sure people don't know. I want to make sure people don't really understand and people just kind of like, hmm, I don't, I don't want to share that with you. And it's just interesting as you think about that, as you think of God's word, I think the reason we feel that is because we almost expect life to be good and when it's not, something's like wrong. And it's interesting to me because when we look at God's word, really we should expect life to just be bad <laughs> and God is the only good thing that has ever happened to us. Because think about that. Whenever something happens to us, that's really our expectation. We're like, okay, something's bad happening. Maybe I did something wrong or, or something bad is happening and that, that's not the way things are supposed to be. But again, we look at God's word and we should have this expectation that, you know what? Yeah, life's gonna have some really bad things. And I shouldn't blame God because God is the giver of good things. And so whenever things are going bad, I I run to the giver of good things. And so we're going to look at God's word to try to answer that question. And and let me tell you, this question, we could probably spend like a month or two or three or four whole year just trying to answer this question to its fullest. But I'm going to try to spend like 20 minutes. Is that cool? 20 minutes and try to answer this. So let's go ahead and turn to uh, Luke, Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. And if you don't know where Luke is at, that's totally cool. There's a thing in the front called a table of contents. Super awesome. I want to look at this passage to be like a launching point to help us understand and try to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And uh, if you're new with us, I just, again, just want to... uh, just let you know, I'm so glad you're here. Most of the time we do very verse by verse kind of preaching, but right now in a series that's very thematic and we're just trying to hit these themes. And as we get into this and as we ask a lot of hard questions, I just always love to say, it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to doubt and it's okay to do all of those things. Like that's part of life, that's part of our spiritual walk. But I always like to encourage people to say, it's more okay, it's more okay to question why you're questioning and it's more okay to question why you're doubting and questioning the doubts that you have and being able to self-evaluate and look, why, what's the deeper reason, the deeper meaning why I'm questioning and doubting and all those things. And so really my goal again is to try to help us understand just maybe the beginning parts of, of why 
bad things happen to good people and trying to answer that question and help us have this understanding of why evil even exists. And so if you're with me in Luke chapter 13, we'll be in verses one to five. And it says this, starting verse one. Now there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. All those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. So again, we're, we're trying to answer this question of why do bad things happen to good people? And when we answer this question, we're, we're definitely going to use this text because it's a really interesting text for us. But you know that when people ask that question or when we ask that question, we really have tons of assumptions. Here's some of the assumptions we have when, whenever we ask that question. We assume that bad exists or we assume that evil exists and we assume that we know what it is. That's one assumption. Another thing is that we assume that there is this good and that good exists and that people can be that. So we assume that good exists and that people can be good. There's just also this assumption when we ask this question of this assumption of like, you know, bad things should only happen to bad people and good things should only happen to good people. That's another assumption that we have. And then that kind of leads us to this really underlying assumption of like, you know, humans can only be good and can only be bad and they can't really switch back and forth. So again, when we ask this question, there's just all of these assumptions that we just kind of have. And so in order to be able to answer this question, I really do think we have to attack those assumptions. And so I really need the Bible to help me out and the Bible to help us out to be able to attack these assumptions and to be able to move forward and to process together. And so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to have these two points that are really questions for us that's going to help us process um, this text and also help us process answering this question. And so here's the first point or the first question that we have. What is bad? What is bad? Or what is evil? Like, how would you define bad? How would you define evil? And it's just really interesting as you look at this text with me, especially in verses 1 to 3, you kind of have this, this recent event that's happened. And so you have these guys going up to Jesus and say, Jesus, like, have you heard of this event? Like, it's a really weird one where these Galileans are making sacrifices in the temple. And then Pilate sends his soldiers to go kill the guys while they're sacrificing in the temple. And it's just this really, really gross picture, I think, of like these people making sacrifices and then they're technically killed and then their blood mixes with the sacrifice blood. It's just a really gross picture. And so they're like, they're telling Jesus this. And so then Jesus is looking at them and he's saying, guys, like, do you think that these people are, are worse than everyone else in Jerusalem because they died in this way because they were technically slaughtered in this way? And what Jesus does is he's kind of just asking the question, like, do you think that these people deserve that? Like, do you think that these people are actually worse than everyone else? And before they can answer, Jesus honestly just answers himself and he goes, no. He goes, these people are not more bad or they're not worse than everyone else. 
And he kind of points them subtly back to the reality that we're all bad, that we're all evil, that we're all not good, and that all of us need to be made new. And all of us are these people that like love to run away from God, but we forget that we can't run away from death. So he's saying, repent, <laughs> repent. Death is upon you. And the consequence of sin, the consequence of, the consequence of all of these bad things, the consequence of you running away is death. And he's saying, repent. And so when we look at this question of why do bad things happen to good people, well, let's, let's talk about what bad is. Let's talk about what is bad. And so what is bad, what is evil? Well, when you think about bad, you think about evil, and we're going to look at some more scripture here in a little bit. Evil is like this, and this bad is like turning away from God. It's doing anything that is against God and his word and his will and against his character. It's anything that's against God's holiness. Like God has a really high standard of, of what good is, that bad and evil is technically just saying no to God. It's practically looking at God and saying, yeah, you don't know anything. Yeah, God, sure, you've said some things, but I'm just really not going to listen. Like God has such a high standard of good that even what I just said is bad. So I want you to write down 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 6. This is going to help us understand a little bit more about this. This says, our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord, our God, and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. Again, Second Chronicles 29.6. This should show us just the standard that God has put, that he has such a high standard that anyone who just turns away from him is doing something evil and bad and unholy. And here's what's interesting. We, we can't like half turn away from God. Like, we can't half sin against God. It's like, either you sin against God or you don't. You can't just, like, half do it with one eye and one eye closed, one eye open, you know. No. It's either you do or you don't. We either sin against God or we don't. So what is evil? What is bad? Well, it's anything that is against God and his character, his holiness, his will, all of that. So then, this leads us to another question as we just look at what is bad. Well, how do you know what is bad? How do you know what is evil? Like when I see something, like how do I know that it's good, that it's bad, or that it's evil, that it's wrong, that it's right? Well, I want you to think about this, how incredible God is. God has naturally put in all of us this sense of what we know is right and wrong or good or evil. Like he's just naturally given us this sense of like, okay, I think that if I do this, it's not good. And I think if I do this, it's, it's good. But here's what's even more interesting. Though God has naturally put that in us, God has made it so clear that he is the standard. Which means that whenever we do something and we compare it to God, well, if it's not in line with who God is and his character, again, his will of who he is, then it's evil. Then it's bad. Then it's not good. And then if we just dig a little bit deeper, it kind of just shows us that anyone who rebels against God, anyone who rebels against his word, anyone who rejects God and rejects his word, again, is doing something evil, is doing something bad. So here's something else I want you to write down. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. 1 Samuel 
chapter 15, verse 23. It says this, For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. And this is where it gets me. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And the whole context of that verse is is just super fascinating to me. But again, we see right here that whenever we reject God in anything of who he is, man, that's evil and that's bad. Which leads us to think, again, of God being the standard because we cannot at all put the standard of what is good onto humanity or onto culture. Because culture is always changing. Humanity is always changing. And we do not know what in the world we're doing, okay? Let's just be honest. We don't know what in the world we're doing. But we need someone that is above us, that is always perfect, never changing, absolutely holy, to be the standard in order for us to go, okay, I compare it to that. Okay, this is not good. I compare it to that. Oh, that lines up. That's good. I'm going to give you just a really silly example. Is that okay? So imagine you're on the road in Oklahoma where all the roads are always in construction for some reason. And you're driving, okay? And you're driving and you're in the right lane. Am I doing something wrong if I'm on the right lane driving? No. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Unless, again, you're trying to avoid a pothole or something. Oh, man. My car's in the shop still, by the way. It won't be done till like, October, I feel like. Anyway, talk about bad things happen to good people, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So I'm driving, so I'm driving, you know, right lane. I'm not doing anything wrong, okay? But imagine you transport me to England. Now I'm driving in the right lane. Am I doing anything wrong? Well, yeah, and I'm probably going to die because I'm going to hit another car. It'd be crazy. Then I'd be in the shop in the side of my car. Uh, anyway, so bad joke, bad joke. So anyway, I'm doing something wrong if you transport me to England. That's just a silly little example to show you, like, you put me in a different context, and one thing is right, one thing is wrong. So we need someone above us that's above culture, that's above humanity, to tell us, no, this is right, this is wrong. Because, again, we cannot lean on humanity. We can't lean on culture to tell us what to do. And, and here's the thing. I have no clue why in England they drive on one side of the road and why here we drive on another side of the road. I, I don't know. But that's why we need someone like God who's like, yeah, man, I know, just trust me. I know, just depend on me. Man, I know what is good for you, even though you don't like it sometimes. Man, follow me, trust me, depend on me. So again, trying to answer this question of evil. Again, we want to continue to look at God's word together. Another question that we just have to really understand when we think about, like, what is bad, what is evil, especially in that big context of, like, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, a natural question is, like, where does bad even come from? Like, where does evil even come from? Like, where did it originate? Like, why is it here? And a lot of people say, if there's such a powerful God and a God who really loves all people and he can do all things, why does he allow even bad things to happen? Why does he allow evil things to happen? Well, again, I want you to think about God's character and God's love. You see, God made us, God made humanity with something called free will and with freedom. And so he made us with this freedom in order to be able to choose to love him and want to love him and the freedom to worship him because he didn't want us to be forced to do that. He didn't want us to be little dolls that you pull the string and we say, God, I love you. God, I love you. Like he didn't want us to be these little dolls or robots. He was like, no, I want humanity to freely say, Lord, like I see my need for you and and I need you because 
that freedom causes something really incredible, and that's called love. And love is very intentional. Love is a very intentional action, and love at its core is sacrificial as well. And so that allows us and it helps us to say, Lord, like, I am free to do that. But because God made humans free, you know what humans love to do? We love to take advantage. And so as humans, we took advantage of that freedom and said, I get to do whatever I want. I'm going to eat of this tree of good and evil. And because of that, well, sin and evil and bad was introduced. Why? Well, we wanted to rebel against God. Wanted to turn away against God. Not just halfway, but all the way. Wanted to do everything that's against his will and his character and who he is. And it's just what's interesting to me is that as humans, like, I don't know if you feel this, but we kind of have this, like, longing for control. We have this longing to be our own kings and queens. We, we have this longing to kind of just, like, choose our own path and wanting to do our own thing. Like, <clears throat> it's just so interesting to me how corrupt our hearts are. It's so interesting to me just how much I like don't want to do what God wants me to do. And so when you think about where did sin originate, well, it really it originated with us. <laughs> it originated with us wanting to say, God, you don't know what in the world you're talking about. God, you don't know what in the world is good for me. And so then I want you to write down Mark chapter 7, verses 21 and 22. Mark chapter 7, verses 21 and 22. And it says this, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And so a lot of people say, and they try to say, you know what, God created bad and God created evil. God God is the one that created all of that. And I'm like, well, no. No, God created human beings out of love and, given them the, and has given them the freedom to either choose him all the time or to not. And so there are moments that we rebel against God. But again, that's why Jesus continually tells these people here in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 5, guys, bad things happen, but repent, repent, repent. And so when we look at, you know, why does evil happen anyway? Like, why is bad here anyway? Why do bad things happen to whether it's good people or bad people or interesting people or tall people or short people? Like, why, why do things happen like that? Well, again, a lot of people use this argument to say, you know, God doesn't exist. Because if he existed, he'd eradicate it. But here's the thing. God is the creator and the giver of all good things. And we have to be careful not to blame God for evil. We cannot blame him for that. So again, I want you to write down James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And thanks for sticking with me. Today's a little bit more intellectual, but I'm going to bring it to the heart here in a little bit. So James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. So again, that just shows us so much, again, of how we have this desire for bad and this desire for evil. So what is bad? What is evil? What's all of that that we just talked about? And so 
Why do things happen? Why do bad things happen for us? Well, in short, man, it's all of the effect of sin in, in this world. It's all the effect of sin and then the corruption of this world that we live in, that bad things happen. And then also, remember that we kind of have this enemy that just wants to seek and kill and destroy us. Man, and so he wants us to fall. He wants us to be tempted. He wants to absolutely destroy us. And so these things are happening. But then we have to remember that in all of that, God is still with us, number one. Number two, there is a greater purpose from God in all of that because God is like this master of like working through the darkness and growing us, which is really the third thing. The third thing is that in the midst of all of that, God wants us to trust him and depend on him and cling on him and saying, God, like, man, help me grow in this situation. Help me grow. And so this is where I just want to make it personal because we just talked a lot about a lot of things about bad and all that kind of stuff. And so remember that story I told you about the little girl and seven-year-old with cancer and all of that? Well, uh, what's just really incredible is that after her death, the community, the same community that came around her when she was alive, that came around that family when she was alive, was the same community that came around the family and said, hey, we're going to make a foundation. And it wasn't the, the family's uh, idea. It was the community's idea of, like, we're going to make a foundation called the Sheridan Sunshine Foundation. It was just so incredible throughout the years is that we just saw this foundation grow and grow and grow. And the whole community together was able to help so many kids, especially like in the OU Children's Hospital. So many kids who uh, had cancer and we were able to help them in different ways, help their families in different ways. So we saw so much good come out of that. And it just reminded me, that, and maybe you feel this too because I have felt this in my life, is that there, there are some times that like our greatest ministry or our greatest ministry opportunity comes out of our deepest, deepest hurt. That sometimes our greatest ministry comes from our deepest, deepest hurt. And I could give you countless of examples to you just in my own personal life. Um, and I've shared with, with you some of those, but uh, this past week someone actually asked me and, and they were asking me about like my call to ministry and they're like, said, like, how did you know God was calling you to be a pastor? And I was like, well, I don't know. I just knew God changed my direction. But let me tell you what like position in life I was in when that happened. I said, the moment that God clearly just spoke to me of saying, Misael, the change, of, the change of your life, you have to change it this way, and you have to follow me this way. Whenever that happened, I was probably in the deepest, darkest hole I'd ever been in my life at 16. Like, I literally thought, uh, like, my life was falling apart. I literally thought that I was just this nobody. I was literally in the deepest, darkest hole I could ever imagine and it was in that context and in that position that I was like, yeah, I'm going to use you. And I was like, God, are you serious? I was like, I'm the worst. Like, are you serious, God? Like, I just did all of these things, and you, you're telling me that you want me to change my direction to this thing called ministry? I don't even know what that is. But it was in that moment that God, man, just made it so clear. And, and it was just incredible to think about because there was just so much pain in that, in that 16-year-old heart and mind. And when I think about that pain, well, I think that pain helped me increase my faith in the Lord and dependence on him. And then that pain also, like, helped me increase my fellowship with other people. And I want you to just think about your life whenever you're in pain, whenever you're suffering, whenever bad things are happening to you. Isn't it really cool how God just kind of brings people around? And he's like, hey, I want to just give you some more people 
to like walk with you. I'm gonna give you some more people to hang out with, more people who might just wanna like sit and listen and just not say anything and just be there. And so it's incredible to see how God works through all of that. And so the second point is actually really, really fast because I think we'll get it really, really fast and then we'll be done. So what is bad, right? And then the second question is this that'll help us understand that question better is who is good? Who is good? So we've already tackled the first part of why do bad things happen to good people? So we've tackled why do bad things happen? What is bad? But now we have to understand who is good. And I think for most of us, we would understand this, especially after everything that we've just talked about. Who is good? Well, I'm telling you right now, it's not you and it's not me. Because I want you to think about this. If God would come down right now and eradicate evil and eradicate bad, I bet you he would start with you and me. I bet you he would start with us and say, man, church, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he would start with us. Because we, again, our hearts are just so bad and so inclined to evil. And then thankfully, I mean, that's why we need Jesus, right? Because that's where we're going to end with is Jesus. Because we are so bad, because we're so evil, we need Jesus to make us new. We need Jesus in our life to transform us. But again, who is good? Who is good? It's just such an interesting question to me because... Um, when I, was when I was talking to a friend about this sermon and this passage, he reminded me of a quote that I don't remember who said it, but it's a quote from someone smarter than, my, than I am. And the quote practically goes like this. If I had 24 hours and, and God gave me his power for 24 hours, so many things would be changing. If I, if I had the power of God for 24 hours, I would change everything. But then it goes... But if God gave me his power and his wisdom, nothing would change. And I was like, hmm, that's fascinating. He gave me the power and the wisdom of God and nothing would change. And so as we look at, at Luke chapter 13 again uh, with me, again from verses 4 to 5, you have this moment in this story that now Jesus reminds those people and says, hey, remember that, that wall that fell on those 18 people? Hey, are those people worse than everyone else? And he says, no, they're not. And then how does he end again? He ends with repent, repent. And so the way I want to end uh, our time together is just kind of giving you a phrase that I've actually used before, but I thought it would be really good for us just to remember as we end today. Bad things are going to happen to all of us, but we have to remember that in the midst of all of that, man, we are still bad. And so, because of that, we have to do what Jesus said, and that is make repentance our loudest praise. Make repentance our loudest praise. You see, because Jesus is our only hope, and I hope you know that, but if you don't, I just, I just want to remind you that Jesus is our only hope. Like, he is the innocent one who suffered for us. He's the innocent one who died for us. He's the in innocent one who didn't suffer just to suffer, but he suffered for us. Like he died for us so that we could live and have this amazing and glorious life with him and with him alone. And it's just amazing. And so repentance is just interesting to me because what if, what if we just kind of like wrapped our mind around repentance of being something of like a praise to God? 
that whenever I repent, whenever I confess, that is a way that I can praise the Lord of saying, Lord, I'm giving you glory because I'm repenting and I'm turning away from that sin. And Lord, I'm turning to you. Lord, I'm confessing to you all these thoughts and all these things that I've done. So God, I'm going to glorify you by giving it to you, repenting to you, confessing to you, and going back into your will that's according to your character and your holiness. So I just wonder what would change in our life, you know? I wonder what would change if, if we would be people who saw repentance as our loudest praise of every day of saying, Lord, man, I've tried my best to be in line with you, but God, I still repent because I know that my heart is just so corrupt. So God, help me. Lord, continue to make me clean. Continue to make me new. God, give me a new mindset, Lord, please. Because yes, we repent one time to make Jesus our Lord and our Savior because we put our trust and dependence on him. But man, it's a glorious praise to the Lord where we continuously say, God, here you go. God, I repent. God, I confess. And so I just want to take a moment together and pray. And in our prayer, I just want us to repent and say, God, here are all the things that I know. Lord, I just want to give it to you. So let's go ahead and pray together. Lord Jesus, this question is just so difficult for us as we try to wrap our minds around why bad things happen and why bad, why bad things happen to us. But God, thank you so much that we can look into your word and understand that nobody is good except for you. And you said that multiple times in the gospels. And God, multiple times we look at your scripture and we are not promised something good in this world, only you. Lord, we walk expecting bad things to happen, understanding that you are our only hope. So God, right now we we want to just repent and make repentance our loudest praise because bad things happen and life happens and things happen. Just like in Luke chapter 13, but you are looking at us just as you looked at them and you're asking us to repent. So God, we repent. We take time to evaluate our hearts and our minds, our actions, and we say, God, I gave these to you. Lord, I understand that these things are not in your will, so I just give it to you and I walk away. Lord, I pray that we would not be a church that waits to Sunday to repent. I pray that we are not a people that wait to teach a Sunday school lesson or teach our kids or teach our friends something about the Bible to repent. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't wait to repent, but that we would do it immediately. God, thank you so much for how even in the midst of the darkest time of our life, you are there, you are glorified, and you bring people around. So God, help us and increase, increase yourself in us. Help us be more like Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand together and continue to worship the Lord.